You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 9 November, Outsurance has sold Outvest to Alexander Forbes. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, going to be chatting with Petri Radenhaus. Brent, yeah, I think I chatted with him around Brent maybe two weeks ago. It was looking strong. Now the question is, can he get back into the lower 70s? And is he buying Sabanya Stillwater? Uh, Kevin Brady of A2X, six years as an alternative exchange. And then Stephen Brooks from Borwin. They're basically launching a, a, a product which enables Borwin homeowners to trade in for another unit. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Ford to invest billions more in SA. They will produce the first ever Ranger plug-in hybrid vehicle at its Silverton plant. That will be for export to Australia and New Zealand. Business Day, ShopRite moves into Discam's space with telemedicine service. I got the email yesterday. You can do it via telephone or video call. No need to go to physically see the doctor. Morning markets, US was green, S&P up 0.1%, NASDAQ up 0.1%. That makes nine green days in a row for the NASDAQ. Across in the east, mixed, Sydney off a tenth of a percent, Tokyo up 0.9%. Commodities, mostly red, gold. 1955 Brent 17978 Platinum 876 Palladiums the green 1044 Rand 1848 Bitcoin 36 10 cent off 0.7% in Hong Kong and top 40 opening call about 110 points to the red that is almost a quarter of a percent lower MoneyWeb now on the money also available on podcast. Training now with our Petri Radenhaus, Herenia Capital Advisors. Petri, always appreciate the early morning. It was a couple of weeks. We were actually talking more around Sassel than Brent generally, but certainly it, it, it's had a wild time. It, it, it rallied into the mid-90s, came back, uh, warned the Middle East, sent it back into the 90s, but now this morning, sub-$80 and frankly looking weak. I mean, it's all heading to, to the low 70s. Yeah, good morning, Simon. Um. I have to admit, I didn't expect it to break uh, below, what was that level I had sort of marked out? Uh, it was 81.50. Mm. I thought that maybe what we'd see is that we'd range between 81.50 and 95 as our new sort of price range, which is, you know, in percentage terms, still a relatively large range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we'd sort of range in that area, at least while tensions in the Middle East brew. So I really didn't expect it to come this, down as low as what it did. And I think basically, well, I was having this conversation with a client yesterday, mm. with the platinum versus um, versus gold debate. And I think oil plugs in here quite nicely, right? I think that uh, if we're looking at some of the data coming out of the larger economies, more mostly, you know, more likely China, um, it, uh, it does look like there's a global slowdown, right? And I think that potentially these commodities that are dependent on industrial output um, and economic activity, like oil, for example, and even platinum for that matter, are coming under pressure on the back of slower economic activity. And if we could for that global recession scenario, which, you know, the more you look at it, the more you think, and you know what, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I am wrong. But if we look at the history of the Fed, 
I mean, it's been over 100 years. Every mm-hmm. time they've ended an interest rate hiking cycle, there's been a recession. There's never, ever, ever been a soft landing. <laughs> Why is there going to be one now, right? So um, I think that if that narrative plays out, if we are headed into this global recession type scenario, which seems almost unavoidable, that could be what is kind of putting pressure on uh, at least the industrial-facing commodities like oil, uh, where anticipation is, well, look, if you know economic activity slows down so much, there's going to be no oil demand, so oil prices coming down. Yeah, and there was a, a report out yesterday out of Europe. Uh, European manufacturers had the lowest demand for oil in 40 years, mostly using it as a lubricant. But I mean, that exactly plays into your 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 story there. If the globe is weak, oil should not be 90 and certainly maybe 70s as possible. Sabanya Stillwater, we, we were chatting with the Mateta Tulare last week. We had a poll around it and you had a tweet, which I suspect is partly tongue in cheek, but I'm going to throw it back to you. You said uh, when these people all, all, all stop out, it's exactly when you want to get in. The flush will be monumental. In essence, what you're saying is when everybody hates the stock it's opportunity with Sabania is it opportunity yes yet or you're still taking a wait and see I think it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek stab at the outcome of that poll that you did right I think the poll was are you holding Sabania and the outcome was 77% of people are yeah and I'd said like look I don't want to be that guy but when when everybody eventually caves in has had enough pain and decides to sell their Sabanias that's going to be that monumental flush. Suddenly a lot of volume comes to market and everybody stops out and that's the, the opportunity to buy for us, right? Um, so I guess that's the nature of markets. So sorry if you're one of those 77%. No, look, I, I'm one of those 77% and i and I got to say, I'll take your point. I was surprised by how many people were saying, it's painful, but I'm holding. To your point, at some but point I'm they holding. capitulate and when they start to capitulate, then things get real. Yeah, I think like, and this is the discussion I was sort of, uh, you know, mentioning earlier where we were talk- I was talking to a client yesterday. Um, so Bunya is not in a good space. And if we look at, you know, w- w- what what is platinum demand for really? Okay, battery technology is a newer use case for it. Um, catalytic converters is a, is a major use case for it. So, you know, those two things are both dependent really on, again, economic expansion. Yeah. And if we're not there... Is there really an underpinning demand for what they're mining? Yeah. I mean, the answer is short answer. There's a lot more platinum, right? Yeah, no, short answer. There's not. The demand is weak. We can see it in the in the price of the PGMs. We can see it in the price of the PGM miners. We leave it there. Peter Radin has Herenia Capital Advisors. And our poll today is around Brent. Can it get this, you know, down into those low 70s? Uh, I'll post the chart. It certainly looks like low 70s is on the cards. Uh, great if you're a driver because petrol will benefit. Not so great, of course, if, if you hold Sasser or any of the other oil majors. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and X. Hear that? nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at standler.com forward slash more. Standler is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Kevin Brady, CEO of A2X. Kevin, sixth birthday for A2X. I suppose happy birthday. First question: What's the highlight been aside from perhaps the birthday cake? 
<laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show and for the wishes. Yeah, we're six years old. It's been an incredible journey. I guess the highlight has probably come in the last 12 to 18 months where we've seen a lot of the hard work that we put in in the early days starting to come to fruition and it's becoming a very meaningful market. So I think we're feeling quite upbeat about where we are despite you know it being a difficult market yeah i mean your first year you did what 657 million trade in the first year there probably be some days where you do this now that's quite correct so we're probably averaging probably more than that at the moment and obviously we have ambitions to be a lot more but yeah we're picking up somewhere between six and eight percent market share actually on a regular okay. basis and that's starting to feed on itself. That's a chunky number. I mean, a long time ago, I was looking at competing exchanges, South America, Australia, and the like. And certainly their targets used to be around about 15% of market share from the incumbent. So you're right. I think most first challenges actually normally get even a bit higher than that, okay. like 20%. And I think if we look at SIBO, which if you go back in the years was initially CHIX, they got in excess of 20%. And I think they're currently sitting at about 30%. So that number can grow, and that's really our target in the next three to five years, to get to that 20 to 30%. And the short answer, and we've chatted about this before, I mean, it is saving investors money, ultimately. I mean, it's more money in the investor's back pocket. It might be fractions of a percent, but when we're talking billions, it adds up. That's quite correct. It's a little bit of a no-brainer, particularly when things are tough, right? That you can save money both on direct fees, so the exchange fees, and you can get a better deal by able to buy more liquidity or buy your share at a slightly better price, all adds up. In fact, if we look back over the last 12 months and we say, given the current listings that we have on our market, mm -hmm. if every time someone bought and sold, they saved the cent and they saved the difference in exchange fees, the market would have saved you know, around about $900 million. So we've made those savings available to the market. And obviously, as you can see, a lot of people are taking advantage of those savings. Is it still mostly institutional? I mean, my broker, as far as I'm aware, is not offering access to A2X. Maybe they are in the background. Is it still mostly institutional rather than the, the small sort of private client? That's a fair comment. It is predominantly institutional. And I think, you know, the private client is on our radar. It does come with a level of complexity yeah. and we will get there in the end. But for now, it's the big bulk wholesale traders that are getting the benefits. Now, I hear you. A big institution comes and, you know, my little pennies don't really stack up. How many listings do you have these days and how many out of the top 40? So we've now got 183 securities listed on us. 31 of them are top 40 constituents, so 31 of the top 40 people that we're still working on, and obviously we're hoping to get them over the line in the next 6 to 12 months as well. We've spoken about this before. I mean, technically you could list them all if you wanted, but you actually are going from company to company and saying, hey, come on to A2X. So look, unfortunately in South Africa, regulation isn't yet aligned okay. with best international practice, so we do need to get their permission. So unfortunately we need to knock on doors. But what we saw about 12 months ago, I think we had a kind of a turning point where we had sufficient number of companies and I think we'd built the brand to a point where people knew who we were. We also kind of tweaked our process to work more closely with the sponsors and that's actually proved incredibly successful for us. And in fact, in the last 12 months, we've added about 88 securities. And for the listed company, it's no sweat or even a cost for them to be secondary listed on A2X. That is correct. There's absolutely no cost, no risk, no paperwork. There's no reason any company shouldn't mm. be on us. And in fact, the ones that are on us are actually generally very pleased with uh, being listed and seeing the increased liquidity taking place in their shares. Last question. We've chatted about this a bunch. Best execution. I think it was two, perhaps it was even way back three years ago in the pandemic where FSCA was talking about it. That seems to be on hold for now. 
You've got a very good memory. It was June 2020 that we saw a draft report on conduct standards for exchanges that included best execution. We have it on good authority that the draft for conduct standards for market infrastructure is kind of an expanded piece of work, mm -hmm. is out before the end of the year. But let's say it's not out. We're talking maybe first quarter next year. That will include best execution. We remain excited about that. We think it's very important that there's an overarching piece of regulation that brokers have a policy in place to demonstrate that they're getting best execution for their clients. And that's really positive for the likes of A2X. And to a degree, the market already, I mean, if I'm a broker who's connected to both the incumbent and yourself, I'm going to kind of make sure I do it. I just do it in a manual process, perhaps rather than automated. So, look, the brokers that have joined up are the ones that have said, look, this is good for the market. We support yeah. competition and we want to demonstrate that we can do the best by our clients. So without having the regulation in place, they've said, this is a positive move for us and we're going to go and grab it. I think it's kind of the tail end Charlies, right, that come along later. Unfortunately, there's a cost to coming, you know, to connecting to different mm -hmm. markets. And then they don't also get the uplift in terms of greater market share. So it's probably not ideal for the latecomers, but it's been a real positive for all the early adopters. We live there, Kevin Brady, CEO A2X, six years old. Appreciate the time. If seagulls were harder dolls who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah or chase summer around the globe? You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Stephen Brooks, CEO of Baldwin. Steve, appreciate the time today. New initiative announced from Baldwin, an ability for, for current owners of a Baldwin apartment to essentially trade into a newer Baldwin apartment. Talk us through the details here. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks to all the people that are going to be listening to this. You know, I'm always looking at innovation, keeping my entrepreneurial spirit going. And I've been following the car industry for years, as we all in South mm -hmm. Africa love cars. And then I thought, you know, the concept works so well. You know, one of the top premium brands that I believe in, I've traded in many, many cars over the many years, and it's always been a really good process. So I thought, you know, why can't we do this with property? So we've started Ball and Approved. I've got a great young team that are going to manage it. And the idea is that we keep our clients. Clients can trade their apartment in rather than having all the hassle that goes with selling a home. So it's a concept that we've come up with. We're piloting it in Natal with Azinga, and we're mm -hmm. piloting it at the Blyde and Green Creek just until Christmas. And then next year, we'll open it up to the market, and we'll hopefully have a great new business for our annuity space, which you know, I've been driving board annuity, and this is another concept within annuity that we've driven. Well, will you be taking the risk of the apartment? If I decide I'm at the Blyde, wherever the case may be, and I want to take advantage of this, will that apartment that I'm essentially selling go into your stock? No. So what we're doing, we're looking at another big catchword of mine, which is speed to market. Mm -hmm. The idea is that, you know, you buy into the next phase, which is, say, deliverable in a couple of months' time. And in the meantime, we sell your apartment, get the timing right, and move on. So we won't take it into stock. So for our shareholders... We won't be putting any cash into this. Mm -hmm. It is a model that we believe we've got the right people, the right staff to manage it. 
And it's a very fluid model and we have to have speed to market. And will this be, I mean, I could be trading up, could I be trading down, but it is within the same development? Yeah, we're going to initially trade up and then eventually we're going to open it up to trade up, trade down, trade sideways. Mm. We'll even take our competitors' clients and trade that apartment in. So there's no end to this eventually. I mean, if you think that if you take your Toyota Corolla to BMW, they're not going to turn their nose up at you. <laughs> They'll say, okay, we'll take your old Toyota Corolla, probably flog it to the trade, and off mm. we go. Then you're a BMW client for life. So we want to follow that kind of model. But we'll take it, Simon, one step at a time. You know, it's new. We've got to be cautious. We've got to be careful. We've got to keep our clients happy. But I think we've got the right headspace. I think it's going to be a great business for our annuity. And this is, I mean, essentially, I mean, this is going to be, I suppose, what, pre-used apartments. I mean, there's going to be all of those T's and C's in terms of the condition of the apartments, and maybe there's some work that's been needed to be done. Will that all be handled by your team as well? Yeah, we have a phenomenal maintenance division in Borwin. We've kept our clients happy over the years, and they will be helping us. And we know if it's a lick of paint and a bit of silicon needed, Ultimately, obviously, the client will pay for that because it will just reduce the price that we pay them for their apartment. But we'll be kind to our clients and we'll try and help them as much as possible. And that will also you have to get it up to a born approved standard. So, if, it, for example, if your stove is broken, then we're mm -hmm. obviously going to have to go and replace and put a new stove in. We'll also keep our brand protected and hopefully all our older apartments can be spicked and spanned and put up to standard and keep our brand going forward because that's also the brand protection is very important to me. Yeah, got you on that. And the last point is obviously assuming I've got a bond in the initial apartment, I'm going to need a bond on that new apartment. And you guys Correct. work very closely with the banks already. I mean, that's just going to be something that you're fairly well skilled at. Yeah, we've been leaders in that. You know, I work tirelessly with the IFC in Washington to get our green mortgages going. So, you know, if it's on an existing development and it's edge approved, then obviously the clients, both clients, and it was the resale and the new client, get the benefit of a reduced mortgage rate. Mm. So there's a lot of things that we've thought of that can come into play here. And all of them are for the benefit of the client because we want our clients to be happy and stay with born properties for life that discount to the bond if i remember last time we chatted it can be as much as three quarters of a percent because of your your edge which is excellence in design for greater efficiency correct you know my dream and i and now's the time to push the financial institution while interest rates are high my dream is to get it to one percent you know there's a lot of talk about greening you know and yeah. i'm really fairly aggressive about it i'm on the board of the green building council we're right up there in world standards and then i think our clients should get the benefit of it we live there. Stephen Brooks, CEO Borwin. Always appreciate the time. That's it for today. We were chatting with uh, Chris Eddy from 10X Investments yesterday, talking tactical versus uh, tactical investing versus asset allocation, uh, and which is perhaps more powerful. He certainly falls on the asset allocation rather than tactical investing. We asked you if you do some tactical in your portfolio. Almost three quarters of you said, hmm. What is tactical? A quarter said you are. The rest said, nope, too risky for you. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and X. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We live every weekday morning. The Money Web website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobohre, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Sappy.
You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.